welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on what is a glorious victory week. Third straight for Penn State as the young Nittany Lions go into a hostile orange out at Jordan O'Hare and absolutely open up a can on the Tigers. Stomping them 41-12, their worst non-conference home loss. Dave, since 1982, they lost 41-7 to Nebraska. So, a little fun fact about the year 1982. Penn State won the national championship that year. When they faced Georgia, when they had Herschel Walker, won 27-3 in the Sugar Bowl. That was actually the poster that's been behind me for the past two episodes if you're watching on youtube um of greg garrity who had a 47 yard 50 yard catch to clinch it basically mm-hmm. for them and then this little thing not the trophy that i'll be keeping the coke <laughs> bottle that's been sitting here since episode one of season one that season my dad went to penn state Got this bottle, 1982 National Champions. Has the schedule on the back with Georgia there, unopened. That's actual Coke from 1982, Coca-Cola. Oh, that's delicious. Probably disgusting. If we win the championship this year, I will drink it. But I think I might die if I do that. (laughs) Where did he get it from? Like just one of the stores downtown? Yeah, purchased in 1983, I think, after they won. He got it downtown somewhere. Oh, my God. It's, uh, and yeah, it's just. (laughs) Got it from Clan Anne's. Brewed in 1982. (laughs) That is crazy. I wonder if this would kill me if I drank it. (laughs) It wouldn't, right? It's. No, it's all chemicals and stuff. It kills any bacteria. When did they stop putting cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> it's just filled with coke. <laughs> it's just like all the all the bottom. <laughs> so, and just to add to that, this weekend they're actually going to be honoring the 1982 national championship team. 40th anniversary. So, is this fate? Is this a year of fate for Penn State? Because that year they played Georgia in the net role for the de facto national championship back then. Georgia's one of the top teams this year. I might switch my national championship pick to (laughs) Georgia, Penn State. How crazy would that be? Couple months from now, we could be talking about a Stetson Bennett, Sean Clifford, Natty title matchup. That would that, be something. That would, that would be absolutely <laughs> wild. Two of the most <laughs> dynamic quarterbacks in <laughs> college football facing off. Um, before we go over the Auburn thrashing, let's go around the trenches, aka around the Big Ten. So, last week's Big Ten betting bonanza, I was between two very suspect spreads. Number six, Oklahoma, was minus 11 
going into Nebraska, who just fired Scott Frost. So I guess the mentality behind that line was the team would sort of rally and keep it close. They did for about half of the first quarter, maybe a third of the first quarter. I think it was just the first drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to keep them keep their spirits up over there. Jesus, they're having a tough, tough year. Uh, but they got smacked, forty nine to fourteen. Luckily, I went the other way on my pick. The other suspect spread I saw was uh, Washington at home against Michigan State, who was eleven going into that game, and Washington was favored by two and a half points. And absolutely trounced them or won by, I think it was 49 38. 39, 39 28. But that score was a little bit deceiving. They did get yeah. their ass kicked. And uh, Michael Penix Jr., we all, we all know him, former Indiana quarterback, is having a year. He was 24 of 40 in that game. For 397 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, 91.9 QBR. Ninth, and he's ninth in the country in total QBR. What a, a rival of Mr. Penix. What a story from that kid. What uh what you got around the trenches? Yeah, no, just thinking with that game, you know, I know you obviously touched on it, but Michigan State, man, I think I think they're frauds. I think they're fraudulent. Uh, that was the first big test of the year. I know it's only week three, but laid an egg. So we'll see how they rebound, how they bounce back this week. But that's that's a tough L to take to a Pac-12 team where you'd like to see the Big Ten dominate there. So lots of questions to be answered there. A lot of hype around the Mel Tucker train, not just from how they performed last season, but from a recruiting standpoint. So we'll we'll see how they how they rebound. Uh, I would take a look at Minnesota as well. Another team kind of like Michigan who hasn't been tested, but they just are continuing to obliterate their opponents. So another huge win last week, just a team to keep an eye on because that's going to be our whiteout matchup in a few weeks here. Once we're in the midst of our October gauntlet. So that Kirk Shiraka reunion with Tanner Morgan seems to be working out just fine. But again, as they get into Big Ten play, we'll see if that holds up. Uh, they're really being led, not by Tanner Morgan himself, but really by the running back spot with Mo Ibrahim, who is just a Cadillac yeah, a beast. in that backfield. So I would, for me, those were the two teams that really caught my eye this week. Also, Ohio State putting up 77, I believe, against Wagner. Did they, they played Wagner? Uh, Toledo. Toledo, they played well. Little in-state foe. And then Michigan, 59, nothing over UConn. Rounding out the top of the Big Ten. Uh, I just want to go back to Michael Penix for a second. So this kid, his story is crazy. I was trying to find his name on any site's draft boards, and he's not there. I think he's going to be, from his accuracy numbers and just yardage, and sadly, because of his injuries that we'll talk about in just a sec, he's become more of a pocket passer. And he was slinging it, slinging it versus Michigan State. I had a lot of money on that first half bet, and that was an easy, easy cover. Mm-hmm. So let's go over his college career. 
enters Indiana 2018 as a freshman, tears his ACL three games in. So he redshirts 2019. Redshirt freshman named the starter. First Indiana retro freshman starting quarterback since Antoine Randall L. in Ooh. 1998. He Shout goes out five. Of hard <laughs> he goes five and one that year in 2019, and then fractures his clavicle. Jesus against Northwestern misses the rest of the year. 2020 comes back from that. We all know what happened in that first game: the infamous Superman dive on the two-point conversion that won them the game in overtime on that opening game uh that began penn state's forgettable oh and five starters to 2020 <laughs> he again goes five and one second straight year going five and one and just six games started tears that same acl against maryland so just blow after blow to this kid 2021, I feel like he kind of didn't really figure out his game. He was still trying to scramble and be a dual threat quarterback, played in five games, went two and three. So in total, he was 12 and five as their starting quarterback at Indiana. But um, again, against Penn State, he separated his AC joint in his throwing shoulder. He's a lefty, which actually led to one of my favorite attacks of all time. AKA <laughs> destroying any ounce of confidence in his football ability that Jack Tuttle even had in one play with an all time sack clip that we'll show you right now. And then, I mean, the coaching staff couldn't have been like, yeah, Tuttle's way better than you. So you got to transfer. Could they have? Because he transfers think, to Washington, probably for the opportunity. Because he, he had to battle for the starting spot. So, like, I'm wondering what, like, if Indiana was like, dude, you're just too injury prone. You got to get out. Of yeah, I think just going through that much shit in your career, sometimes a guy like that just needs a fresh start. And it could have been mutual. Yeah. You'll never know what went on behind the scenes. But I think in a case like that, I mean, the guys just got glass bones and paper skin for God's sakes. But uh, I, say I think though. I think he was just the guy who just needed a fresh start. The talent was there. The talent was evident. But going to a new system, new new environment, sometimes that's all you need to catch that spark again. Yeah. So he goes to Washington actually with his. 2019 offense coordinator and quarterback coach Kellen DeBoer. Let's mm-hmm. pronounce it. Washington new head coach this year. He wasn't guaranteed starting job. He had to beat out last year's starter, a redshirt sophomore, Dylan Morrisand, and he is freaking killing it this year. They're three and zero. And let me pull up his stats really quick. So he's throwing. 66% completion for 1,079 yards in three games, 10 touchdowns to one pick. Those are absurd numbers in three mm-hmm. games. So I don't know where he is on everyone's mock draft boards, but he's for sure rising up mine. Mm-hmm. As is 
possibly a top 10 pick in the 2026 draft. Nick Singleton, mm. who was the catalyst of that 41-12 victory over Auburn in the dreaded orange out. Very scary color. Very <laughs> scary color to have everyone dress as. <laughs> Some more of a creamsicle out with with all the white shirts in that, <laughs> yeah, with the, in that audience. Yeah, a couple of white in there. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Uh, so a couple of outstanding stats in this game. Penn State's defense didn't let them score until the fourth quarter when the game was basically over. While they forced four turnovers, finished with six sacks, held them to 3.3 yards per rush, which is what we were mainly worried about, and then six sacks on their offensive line. We went over their offensive line. They're all beasts. And our edge rushers just absolutely came to play on the opposite side of the ball we went for 245 on the ground 232 through the air but like i said everyone's talking about our true freshman superstar nick singleton who we prematurely labeled a superstar probably when he committed to penn state we're like (laughs) this kid's the next best the next saquon the next best thing yeah it was just an incredible performance. You know, you see all the stats behind what he's done over the last two weeks and the last time that we've seen those types of numbers at Penn State. Doing it with such a minimal workload as well. Talking about another game where he just had 10 carries. And the burst that he has, and we, we've all seen the clip where Strange is pointing before Singleton even beats that defender but you're talking about that's sec you hear all about the sec speed beating that sec corner or safety at that angle where you had an angle where you could have gotten him and just blowing by him is absolutely incredible and if you haven't seen it you know there's a graphic where it pins him up against saquon you know so talking a little you know it's premature we talk about giving him the high accolades but it's it's looking like it's going to come to that, right? Where he's almost Saquon 2.0 with what he's doing. I know it's a very small sample size, but this is what we've been waiting for. And they went to Jordan Hare and moved Auburn off that line and which is gashed them. Crazy. Which we haven't seen in quite some time. And we've so been harping on that, that we need to build the trenches because when it comes down to it, Ohio State, Michigan, they have SEC-type bodies in the trenches, and we need to fucking move the trenches. That's how we're going to win. And it was just – it was a breath of fresh air to see that, finally. Finally. Yeah. And and not just for Singleton, but for that offensive line, that's got to be a huge confidence booster, knowing that they just went down there and, like I said, moved them off the line of scrimmage like they did. and compile those type of stats and not even singleton too but you look at katron allen who i know he found the end zone two times but that cutback move at the goal line yeah dude, was I... that vision that that guy has is incredible and his and jump cuts are nuts yeah and i think in regards to those jump cuts it's he's got a different running style i think than at least for me than i would have expected and heard some stats today where when he signed on national signing day he was at 225 pounds and just recently, he was listed at 201. So he's dropped down significantly. And that's changed his style a bit. 
And it's honestly helped him and helped this team because it gives you a, a whole other dynamic, you know, where you wear out the defense with Singleton on these long gashing runs, and then you could just toss in Katron. And he's Swerving, got that type of yeah. vision. And again, just building up that offensive line's confidence that, hey, we can establish the run anytime we want to. And any opponent, whoever that may be, whether it's shit, Ohio State or Michigan, if they keep playing like this, you got to feel confident going into those big games like that, knowing that you can run the ball. Yeah, and also just on the confidence point, like we have to remember these kids are 19 years old yeah. with, funnily enough, 24 year old quarterback and they just went into 19 years old first time playing a lot of them college football games went into an sec hostile environment we can make fun of the orange out all we want hostile sec environment and dominated them that has to stick with them for the rest of their career at penn state like just look back on what you can do when you guys were freshmen 19 year old kids at penn state and you rolled Auburn. And then also, yeah, talking about Singleton, his usage, 20 carries for 303 yards and four touchdowns over the past two weeks. So there's only – he's number seven in terms of yardage in uh, the FBS in terms of rushing. So six guys ahead of him over the last two weeks. The lowest amount of rushing uh, rushing attempts is 31 compared to his 20. Keaton Mitchell from Eastern Carolina, 31 rushes, 345 yards. Everyone else, 48 attempts, 46 attempts, 43 attempts, 46 attempts, 55 attempts. Singleton, 20 attempts. And then even after him, 56 attempts, 47, 47 attempts, 51 attempts. Like, this kid's the real deal. And it's awesome, awesome to see. And also on the defense, Abdul Carter living up to the number 11 legacy. He had an awesome game. I loved watching him fly around the field with just reckless abandon. That's my favorite type of linebacker. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen a freshman linebacker. I don't know that most people have seen a freshman linebacker coming in to the collegiate level, the power five level, that ready to contribute right away, just his athleticism and his ability. And was listening actually to James Franklin's news conference today. It was funny. He referenced when he went to Carter's at home visit in Philly and literally they had, his parents had a bench and a, you know, weightlifting set up right in their living room, just on the hardwood floor. So this kid had just eaten dinner, Benching, watching TV. So he is a sit up six commercials and it is showing. I just, I love what Manny Diaz has been doing with this defense and all the respect in the world to Brent Pry. He, you know, this defense is what it was over the last several years because of Brent Pry. But Mm -hmm. Diaz is just bringing a much different flavor and a lot more aggressiveness, I think, to this defense. And you saw a bunch of those packages. Hence the Curtis Jacobs sack, and as we're speaking now, the Abdul Carter sack, and he's just utilizing them a lot more. He's got Jair a lot Brown. more depth. Jair Brown with the sack as well, which was great to see. But I think over the next few weeks, I would love to be able to see Jacobs and Carter on the field at the same time in certain yeah. packages because I think that is a lethal combo with those two out there at the same time. 
the sky is the limit right now. That's that's my feeling. <laughs> Lastly, I just want to shout out, obviously, Manny Diaz. We mentioned him a little bit last week, how his exotic blitz packages and just different scheme are going to come up huge this game because if we get them in third and longs, third and intermediates, mm-hmm. like we did, he was going to drop schemes to get to the quarterback. And we got six freaking sacks in one game against Auburn, an Auburn offensive line. Might be the the worst offensive line they've had in their history, but it's still it's still a great offensive line. Um, yeah. Last shout out in that game, denied Dennis Sutton getting his first sack on the road to Penn State's sack record of thirty three. And on that note, I kind of want to bring up a point that came up either Monday or today. Uh, Franklin proposed new. I guess, san- not sanctions, but just suggestions uh, for recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, for funding. And he wants single room bets because we almost lost Deny Dennis Sutton to that exact case of not having a single room bed. And mm-hmm. we lost another recruit who ended up going to the NFL, and he kind of pointed to that as the reason. And I looked at that and was like, wait a second. They don't have single room beds at Penn State for the football players? That's kind of shocked me. Yeah, and I think it's just kind of what Franklin's been clamoring about over the last few years. He didn't quite get it from Sandy Barber when she was the AD. I think from what from what I've been hearing, you know, everything that you're reading about, Pat Kraft is bringing a much different mentality to this program just in his short tenure so far at Penn State. But we are, in regards to from a recruiting aspect, from an NIL aspect, we're definitely behind the eight ball here. And we do have the resources. We have the boosters. We have the funding to be able to be at the top of the game, knowing Penn State's alumni network and our boosters and former lettermen. So, they got to get there quickly, and they've had some huge recruiting wins. You know, aforementioned Deny Dennis Sutton, you know, get clawing him away from the likes of a Georgia and an Alabama. It's a huge recruiting win, but shedding some light on how close they were to losing him over something as simple. And I know there's money involved, obviously, but as stupid as that, like, you got to get with the times here. Like, come on. Uh, yeah like i guess he has a roommate this year but like (laughs) and or maybe i'm out of touch like dude i feel like most powerhouse like powerhouse football programs that like that's where the school makes most of their money because let's be honest penn state basketball is not doing too hot Mm -hmm. they don't really bring in any money from big money from anywhere else besides football it's like how are they how are they that behind really shocked me Mm-hmm. But moving on, a little looking forward a little bit. So next week we have at home against the Central Michigan Chippewas. We are 28-point favorites. Uh, the over-under, that's 60, right on the dot. Week after that, we have Northwestern. That's at home. Yep. So two home games. Uh, Northwestern is just in the dumps also so that's probably going to be pretty big so you have to assume 
never want to assume, but we're going to here. Two wins going into the bye week, five and zero, heading to Michigan. Is that what you feel? Yeah, I mean, this is shaping up nicely. <laughs> Basically, the uh, rinse and repeat of last year, where mm-hmm. it's a different opponent, where you're potentially going to be five and zero. Likely in the top, looking at probably top 10, maybe even top eight, sniffing top five with Michigan, who's already in the top five. Uh, a marquee matchup on the road. I don't think it'll be a primetime game, looking at probably a Fox big noon kickoff or a 330 game. So it's literally the exact same scenario. But this time you're coming in where you don't have a question mark at your QB2. Mm-hmm. If Cliff goes down, you're locked and loaded, ready to go. You're, you know, knock on every piece of wood you got, but over these next two games should continue to show that you have an established running game. And you have a defense that's got a much different look with Manny Diaz at the helm and a plethora of guys that you can sub in and make up any combo you want with different blitz packages to get after the quarterback. So should be feeling much better this time around. And with the impact that we've seen, as we've mentioned already, just on this episode with the freshmen is we've mentioned before where from a recruiting standpoint and recruiting win standpoint is you want to be recruiting guys at this point that help you beat Ohio state and Michigan. And I know I'm putting the cart before the horse here, but it feels very much like these freshmen are the guys that you bring in to help you beat yes. Ohio State and Michigan. You bring in a Nick Singleton to compete and not only compete, but beat Michigan and Ohio mm-hmm. State. You bring in Abdul Carter and give him that number 11 jersey to go out there and blitz and sack C.J. Stroud in a key moment or J.J. McCarthy or whomever they're throwing out there. These are the guys that you're equipped with now. And I feel like they're more prepared than, than ever. Uh, at least in, in the last few years, I feel really, really confident about where this group's at. Yeah. I mean, this draft, this recruiting class could be something very, very special. So before we look too far ahead here, let's focus on what's next. Central Michigan Chippewas. I know you have a lot more on their individual players, just overall, they're a very balanced attack. They have basically the same amount of runs to passes, 111 rushing attempts to 128 passing. The guy I'm most afraid of is this running back, Lou Nichols III, who almost ran for 2,000 yards last season, (laughs) first in the FBS in rushing yards. With 1,848. That's 142.2 per game. <laughs> Kid was an absolute beast last year. This year, not doing so hot. First game against Bucknell, he ran for 166 and two touchdowns. But then against, who's this team? US, South South Alabama. South Alabama. Yeah. USA is their three-letter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 15 carries, 20 yards. One touchdown. Yeah. And then last week at Oklahoma State, or 
September 1st. Or wait, wait, wait. I'm going way backwards. Yeah, you, you went backwards. They open up with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, 26 for 72 and two touchdowns. Then South Alabama, 15 for 20 and a touchdown. Then the Bucknell game. So in all, he's averaging only 3.5 yards carry yeah. this year. So not quite the numbers that we're seeing from last year, but still a weapon to watch out for. But I'm after seeing how he handled the Auburn run game, I'm not quite worried about the Central Michigan Chippewas run game. Yeah, no, Central Michigan as a team last year had a had a good season in the MAC, nine and four with a Sun Bowl win over Washington State. Head coach Jim McElwain used to coach Florida, so he's used to coaching at the Power Five level or in these types of environments, I guess you could call it. But a lot of not a lot, but did have turnover from last year's team to this year. Your key contributors being at the quarterback in the running back spot. So you already mentioned Lou Nichols. Got Daniel Richardson returning at quarterback, but they put up a lot of points, but they're or a lot of yardage rather, but they're also giving up a ton of yardage on the defensive side of the ball. Aside from that on. last week Bucknell game, they're giving up 500 yards at least per game, both in that Oklahoma State game and South Alabama. So more uh, more opportunity for Nick Singleton to run absolutely wild on this MAC defense. Also, look, just more stats on their terrible defense. The worst <laughs> rushing defense in the nation is Navy. At They're giving up 415 passing yards a game. That's crazy. They're giving up over 400 passing yards a game. Wow. <laughs> right after them, Central Michigan. Second worst pass defense in the nation, 380 yards per game. So we could see, again, much like Ohio, a huge lead in the first half. Mm -hmm. And then putting in our star freshman, Drew Aller, letting him sling the rock around to some freshman wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Let them do their thing, gain some confidence, get it all rolling. Sorry, but what you brought up that Jim McElwain, is that is it, mm -hmm. is their coach. Blows my mind. Is that the dude who, who's the Florida coach, right? Who has like the freak out videos of like, yes, yeah, just absolutely <laughs> tearing into players. Yes. Whoa. Okay. I'm going to keep an eye on the sidelines <laughs> for sure during that game. Because the game will be out of hand at some point. So I'm going to be on Jim McElwain. Yeah. Watch and see if he gets any <laughs> massive freakouts. So, before we end today's podcast, we will, of course, go into the greatest betting competition on the planet the Big Ten betting bonanza. It is week four. Count week zero. Yeah. <laughs> week four of the Big Ten betting bonanza. And week three was a tale of a pro versus a Joe. Sadly, I was the Joe. I went one and two. 
awful picks. None were even close. Even the win wasn't close. I was just so far off on all of my picks. <laughs> when I told everyone to start trailing me. So I apologize. I was bragging way too hard. The football gods punished me for that. Puts me at, so I only got one point last week with a one and two record. I'm at five points, five, three, and one on the year. And last week, I had a perfect week, by the way. You didn't remember. Perfect week. This week, Mr. Dave Barron has the perfect week. Three and O. Oh, and this is a comeback tale so far. Started one and two, went two and one uh, week two. 3-0 last week, so he's 5-1 over the last two weeks. Kids on fire. Absolute <laughs> fire. But, as always, he's just picking roller coaster games. <laughs> we had the battle of Wisconsin, New Mexico State over under. That went way over just from Wisconsin themselves. And if you remember our conversation on that, I was like, New Mexico State is not scoring a point in that game, which they didn't, but <laughs> didn't expect Wisconsin to cover that game on their own. <laughs> My other losses, Rutgers Temple, talked a lot of shit on Temple. So you can you can give me all the shit back. Yeah. I deserve it. And then Washington dominated. Um, loved watching that game. Loved watching Michael Penix. But Davey, you were all over unders so you won the over under battle with the under or the over excuse me in the new mexico state wisconsin game you had the under in michigan yukon under 16 <laughs> michigan wins 59 nothing as we discussed <laughs> another one oh, your second one point over under victory and then Purdue Syracuse. I think you hit that over by a field goal, right? Yeah. The, what was that over under? I mean, it was I think like it was 60. 50, it was 58 or 59 50, and a half. 58 and a half. You had it at 58 and a half. And that game, I tell you, was a fucking roller coaster. Left I didn't off watch it. in the third quarter, 10 9. So you had. Cuse was up 10-9, and granted, set the scene for you. It was a matinee at the Carrier Dome. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> uh, Big Ten, you know, Big Ten versus ACC snoozer. And then both teams absolutely went off in the fourth <sighs> quarter, tallying 42 points in the fourth quarter. Oh, so, just kind of take you through it. So, it was 10-9 Cuse. 42 in the fourth? 42 in the fourth. Oh my god. 10-9 at the end of the third, and then Aiden O'Connell and Garrett Trader just were trading blows. <laughs> yeah. Oh O'Connell leads Purdue down the field, puts him up 15-10. Then Trader answers back, puts him up 18-15. And then Aiden O'Connell, as he's nearly in the dirt, decides. I got to just fucking throw this ball before it can't take the sack, throws it, results in a pick six for Cuse. 
takes it back to the house. Cuses up 25-15. Purdue responds. O'Connell hits. So good for the over, though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, love the way the momentum was going at that point. O'Connell responds, hits Charlie Jones, a.k.a. Chuck Sizzle, on a (laughs) 55-yard bomb, uh, making it 25-22. O'Connell then leads Purdue back down the field. Uh, hits Payne Durham, puts him up 29-25 with about a minute left. Syracuse drives down the field and connects on a 25-yard game-winning touchdown pass with seven seconds left. It was a touchdown pass that won it. Touchdown pass that won it. I thought it was a field because it won by three, right? Yeah, because Purdue was up 29-25, so Cuse needed the tutty. And they I thought it was a field goal. That got it. And it was, <laughs> went from a snoozer to an absolutely electric finish and an electric cover. So Not for I me. Every bit Not for it. me. 42 <laughs> yeah. points in the fourth quarter. Are you kidding me, Dave? Like It was You insane. need to lose one of these. God, I got to come <laughs> it back. So I you're hot, you're hot. Jesus. Lose one of these. Come on. <laughs> you are now eight points plus eight, six and three on the year. So awesome comeback. You're now destroying me. I got to start taking some long shots. I'm going to let you do the honors and go first this week. So first pick, I'm going to go with mentioned earlier that I think they are frauds, Michigan State. So they're at home this week against Minnesota. So I guess you could call this Minnesota's first test, quote unquote, of the year. A little bit of a sketch line. Yeah, Minnesota minus two and a half. But I'm going to take the Golden Gophers. I think they continue on their role that they're on. And I think they handle Michigan State by at least a field goal here and cover that spread. The Golden Gophers. Gophers. So I was between two games here. And so wait, Minnesota minus three. Is that what you're saying? Uh I saw my two and a half, so two and a half or three. I I'm look uh ESPN oh, they I don't have know a three how now. Update this is though. Might have, we'll we'll go we'll go three. Okay. To, I'll take, just, I'll still take them at three. I'm not just confident. because I'm going Michigan State money line here. <laughs> I think this is big bounce back territory for Michigan State. At home, again, Wisconsin, very untested. I think the first half is going to be close, but in the end, there's going to be a little home cooking. I love that wide receiver they have, Keon Coleman, I think his name is, Mm -hmm. from Michigan State. I think he's going to make some big plays down the end. Michigan State comes away with it, and I picked that to get the three points to come back in this. That would tie it up if that happened. All so right, another battle, another battle in the Big Ten <laughs> battle, Betty Bonanza. What's right, your for, second? For pick two, I'm sticking with my guy, Aiden O'Connell. Helped me out last week. I'm going back to the well on the over against FAU. Got a little primetime matchup again at Ross Aid. Don't think this one's going to be a blackout, but I'm going to take the over in this one, 61 and a half. Have they gone over every single game? I think they have. Week two, I don't remember if they covered or not, but definitely in the Penn State game and then last week. Something to look out for. Mm -hmm. Can't go over forever. But you got over 61 and a half, that was? Over 61 and a half. 
All right. So hmm, I didn't plan these out. I'm kind of just picking off the fly here, which is <laughs> sometimes the best way to go. Not the best when you're down. But I I did have that Michigan State one circled with another one, which I think I'm gonna take. Yep, I'm gonna do it. Ohio State minus 18 over Wisconsin. I'm not gonna take the first half spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might take the first half spread. Let me look up what it is really quick. Sorry, did this to you guys last week. Primetime matchup in the shoe. First half spread is minus 10. Hammer that. Ooh. Hammer. Ohio State minus 10. First half spread. That'll be my second point to now beat Baron. Uh, like we said, Ohio State 77 points last week. They got back uh, at the beginning of the year. A Heisman hopeful, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's back at wide receiver playing in the slot for them. I think that's going to be a huge difference in this game. Humongous. I think he has, because they have Marvin Harrison, uh, who had his breakout game. Uh, last name starts with an E. Ebu, I forget his last name. Ibuka. Yeah, he had his breakout game last week along with everyone else because they put up 77 points. But I think this game is going to be his breakout game. And if you could bet on player props on DraftKings, I would hammer all of his overs as well. Yep. I would say my Sam. Love that. All right, so with my last pick. I should just go on the fly from now on. I'm loving these picks. Yeah, dude, sometimes that's the way to do it. But when you love your picks, <laughs> that's when they do. So for my last pick, knowing that you're on the attack here to get back in this, I got to provide my counterattack. So I am going to go with the Miami of Ohio Redhawks plus seven dogs. I'm taking them outright to continue the demise of Pat Fitzgerald's Wildcats, give me the other Miami money line plus seven dogs. That was my that was my last pick. (laughs) That was my last pick. Stole it from you. Oh, yeah, that's up. What is it? What do we say? Plus five. Plus six. Plus six. Yeah. So a touchdown if you win that. All right. Well, this is. The game of chess that is the Big Ten betting bonanza. I oh, sorry, no, it. I think we said plus five. I'm saying if the spread was at least plus six. So yeah, oh think, yeah, yeah. I think it was plus five, five points. So yeah, yeah. we it's it's a chess match now. We gotta <laughs> we gotta all out attack. I'm gonna go, and I'm gonna vouch for this to be a plus six. Cincinnati or. No, I looked at that completely wrong. Not Cincinnati. I thought, I thought they were getting 16 and a half against Indiana. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Give me that all day. Layup. Give me the money line for 10 points. <laughs> well, that was stupid. Now I got to find another game. Cue the Jeopardy music. I found it. It's a team. We all 
love the <laughs> Iowa Hawkeyes. They're heading to Rutgers for a 7 p.m. game. Ooh. So you know those Rutgers fans are going to be absolutely thriving out of their seats. They're going to be wasted, drinking all day for this game. Iowa coming to town. Iowa minus seven and a half. There's no reason they should be, I guess, because Rutgers struggled with Temple. They're probably looking forward to this game, the Iowa game. There's no reason on earth that Iowa should be more than a touchdown favorite against anyone in college football. So give me Rutgers money line to counter that. Oh, kind of that chess move. The Scataway is going to be rocking. There's a bunch of big games for us this weekend. The Big Ten betting bonanza. A lot of points <laughs> for grabs. I'm not sure if you should trail or fade us. Wing George trail. Um, but thank you <laughs> once again for tuning in, listening to us talk Penn State football. 3-0. We are number 12. In the nation? 14. 14 in the nation. Looking to jump up even more as we head into the gauntlet that is October. Uh, Yeah, thank you guys again. Thanks, Seth.